Hi, I'm Rebecca Lehrer. And I'm Amy Choi, and we are the Mashup Americans. We like to say we're where you can hear what America is made of. Or maybe in today's case, how America gets made. Hey, uh, you got grossed out when I said you can't have mashups without mashing up. Oh my god, it is gross. But you mean I got grossed out at our standing room only live show at WNYC's The Green Space? Yeah, that one. It was so fun. (laughs) I wish you all could have been there. But they can all be here now, right? Lizzie, can everyone come to the show now? Oh, getting the green light. Let's do it. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> you know, we need to work on our harmony, but that's for another time. <laughs> I love salt and pepper, and I know you do. And today Obviously. we are taking their lead and talking all about sex and dating. Oh, well, I like this because I am very positive about sex, which is important for us as women and mashups to embrace because just so much is changing about the world of sex and dating. Like, Rebecca, tell everybody about that MIT study we've been obsessed with. Okay, so there was a study at MIT about online dating and basically drawing a pretty strong connection between the increase in online dating and seeing that each time, so the first time in 1995 and when their Match.com launched and then again in the mid-2000s when there was a renewal of like say OkCupid and all these things and then again when Tinder came out in you know 2014-15 um, that each time there's been a spike in the growth of interracial marriages. I like an interracial marriage. Hello. Um, so Actually, and what's so now one third of marriages, just as an interesting stat, start online. Um, And also, one in 10 marriages in the US are interracial. And that's not just new marriages, new marriages is about 17%. But one in 10 marriages just generally are interracial, which is kind of a big deal because 50 years ago, before loving, um, it was illegal. (laughs) <laughs> right. And also it doesn't ca- it doesn't include this stat doesn't include if you Amy say married a Chinese person you're that's not considered interracial cuz you're both Asian. Well, given that the recommendation throughout my life was to marry a Chinese person as a Korean lady, that is fascinating and also we're different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes box checking is not very nuanced. <laughs> well, definitely our guests at our live show know all about this firsthand. Um, we got into it a few weeks back at WNYC's The Green Space in New York City. Truth, we were talking sex, pleasure, dating, deal breakers, and heartbreak. As a mashup, it's all a little richer and, as always, a little more complicated. The gang was all there. DJ Rob Swift was on hand spinning. We love you, Rob. Yeah. And we invited some pretty sexy mashups to talk with us. T. Chang of Crave, maker of the only sex toy I know of that you can wear around your neck in the office without raising an eyebrow. And then we got a whole gang together. Soap on Deb of the New York Times, Maeve Higgins of Maeve in America, and she's also the funniest woman we know. You should all know her, too. And Tobin Lowe of the amazing podcast, Nancy, to explore racist sweet spots and other dating fun is the mashup. 
And last, but most certainly not least, Mr. Trayvon Free. He's black, he's bi, he's a former NCAA basketball player and a current two-time Emmy Award winner and head writer for Samantha Bee. And, like, a total sweetheart. You know, come to think of it, sex is kind of baked into the mashup Americans. You mean... You know my joke about mashing up? My dad joke? I don't. I do not like that joke. But what I was talking about was when we were first starting Mashup four years ago, and we tried to buy Mashup.com. Yeah, it was at the time, it was very NSFW, which is how we ended up with MashupAmericans.com. <laughs> yeah, so if you never don't like our long URL, that's why. You know what? We are here for mashing or smashing, as Rob pointed out. <laughs> smashing. All right, well, so let's set the scene. We're on stage we have our mashup mugs we have our fine ass outfits on and we're wearing our crave vibrators around our necks i really wish this were video because we looked good guys well i sort of feel like we're there right now and we started just like we always do by asking our guest our guest dj in this case how do you mash up mashing up ethnicity wise yeah (laughs) non-sexual okay yeah who are you smashing with Uh, um so i'm colombian and obviously i'm black Right. <laughs> um, that happened. But uh, you, uh, you'd be surprised how many people don't know that there are black people in Colombia. <laughs> My dad is from Choco, which is, uh, it's by the coast, and it's nothing but black people. Hmm. And um, my mom is from Cali, and I was born here in New York. Queens, so, represent. Yeah, Jackson Heights. Well, so the Colombians are known to bring the sexy. It's we got Shakira. Mm-hmm. Sofia Vegata. Mm-hmm. We have Rob Swift. I don't know if you saw his arms. I don't know. Just, uh, just, 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 we're working no, on no. not objectifying him, given the news these days. I'll objectify myself. Okay, okay great. we'll do it. We'll Perfect. do it. All right. Um, but, Rob, is there anything that you're a prude about? Um, I, that's a funny question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel funny because I don't know these people. So <laughs> I, I, am, I am a prude about... Um, yeah, if I'm with a girl or whatever, <laughs> and and she asks me to spank her, I can't spank her. <laughs> like, I feel, like, awkward, so, like, I'm a bad spanker in bed. Because I'm kind of muscular, you know, so <laughs> I don't want to be over physical or whatever the case is. So, like, I'm a bad spanker in bed. That's what I'm a prude about, everyone. So that, now everyone that, knows um... my business. Um... Okay, so, Amy, what are you a prude about? Well, so, I like to think of myself as a very open, sexual person that isn't really a prude about anything, but I'm wrong. Because I found out that um, some friends are frequenters of sex clubs. And I was like, I'm really supportive of this, right? Like, this is awesome. Go do you. But in my head, all I can think about is, like, laundry. Like, (laughs) is there upholstery? Yeah. Like, like, is there dry cleaning? Yeah. Like, where do the people go? Like, are there hours where then somebody, is there a cleaning crew? Yeah, who's the cleaning crew? Like, I, so that the multitudes of that I appreciate and I respect that other people are into it, but all I can think about it, I get the heebies. What are you proud about? Okay, there's a lot of things, but um, I, um, I just hate, hate the sound of other people kissing. It's like, <laughs> like, so you know. Gross. Um, just so like, uh, yeah, really disgusts me. And well, 
Sorry, mom and dad, but vibrators are one of my favorite things, and I know Amy's as well. So we hope you guys are ready to talk about them with our guest today, T. Chang, an industrial designer and the founder of Crave, a luxury sex toy company for women. She's also a first-gen mashup, but we'll get into that. Welcome, T. Yes, it's really you. bathrobes coming back. Yeah, yes. we're making it she happen. She told me pajamas are in, guys. Um, uh, so we're all wearing some T Chang mm -hmm. Crave vibrators. Can you just make yours go? Yeah, I can just. It's called the. There. Can you hear it? Oh no, my my battery ran out. Oh well. Oh, no. It's okay. It's be rechargeable. I'll give you the cable. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you can charge more on that later. <laughs> so T, how do you mash up? I was born in Taiwan, uh, but my family moved here when I was six. I was raised in the South, Georgia to be exact. Um, but I studied in London and I lived in China, so I kind of bounced around all over the world, so it's like kind of all confusing. I think mainly culturally, I identify mainly American, but I definitely have the Taiwanese dragon mom work ethic. You have designed so many different kinds of products, from bicycles to different kinds of tools. What brought you to sex toys? Ever since I started working, I was one of those idealists. Like, I really wanted to make a difference in this world. I know it sounds so, like, beauty queen. Like, I want to make a difference in this world. <laughs> and I want to feast starving children. But no, I, I, ever since I started working, I was like, I will hope my, my nine-to-five job uh, really does something that contributes something, makes a difference in someone's lives. And my first job was actually designing hairbrushes. And it's a humble hairbrush, but to me, I found it incredibly rewarding and challenging because it was a, it was a category of products that really haven't had any innovation in a very long time. And so it, it was very fulfilling for me. And after that, I uh, wanted to try other products. So I worked on um, bicycles. I worked for Trek for a little bit, designing bicycle components. Um, I worked on furniture, but it just wasn't for me. Was that the transition to vaginas? <laughs> oh, see, that was a transition when I realized like, I really don't really care about that stuff very oh, much. Okay. And so, you know, when you're working at a job where it's like kind of soul sucking, you're like, I need to get out of this. And so I kind of went back to when I was designing hairbrushes and it was about, you know, designing products for women. And uh, at the time I was li living in Boston and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And when I walked into a sex shop, looking at the existing products out there, which w were pretty much like male appendages attached to some mammal, like a dolphin or <laughs> a butterfly or a rabbit. And I was just... I was just so shocked. Like, that was kind of the best that I had to choose from. I think I felt incredibly outraged uh, to the point where I was like, I got to do something about this. As the non-Asian woman on this panel, I think it's appropriate for me to ask this question. <laughs> How proud were your parents that you were the co-founder of a sex toy company? Uh, not very. <laughs> Have um, you told them yet? Yes, they know. They're, they're quite aware now. Yeah, they're, they're very aware. Um, it was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, for my mom, actually, she she's like a super independent woman. And so when I told her I was starting my company, she she just loved it. I could have started a company like selling drugs. She didn't care. She was just like so proud that I was getting my shit together. I was going to be independent. Um, very supportive from day one. 
my dad, on the other hand, he um, told people I was teaching English in China <laughs> for the first two years. She, we haven't talked to her. Yeah, She's... yeah and um, you know, he sees that I'm happy, and so he's 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 happy for me. But um, he's not exactly like you know proudly sharing updates on my company. It, they're very traditional Taiwanese, and you know, even though like both my parents are scientists, um, they approach it. My mom was a botanist, and my dad's microbiologist. So they come from this from a very non-religious kind of way. There's no baggage around that. Never condemn sex or anything like that. But uh, and they always treated sex as just kind of a matter of life. Um, but at the same time, there's still such a cultural kind of burden you know on all of that that it's just not very we're not very open like we didn't even we didn't even have like the birds and the bees talk kind of thing well there's also something about like when I was a teenager and I pierced my nose my dad's immediate assumption was like that I was selling drugs or you're a hooker or a prostitute right so Mm -hmm. it's like oh you're designing sex toys you must be a prostitute yeah pretty Uh, much yeah (laughs) no so because I think when people think of sex toys they immediately think of DVDs and production and like porn stars and let me tell you my life is not that exciting (laughs) we do not have porn stars walking through our studio our factory like if you walked in there you could not tell if we were designing printers or vibrators like it's just like a beautiful white studio so how do we best destigmatize sex and sexual pleasure in our lives obviously we fancy ourselves quite but we're 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 oriented on cleanup so (laughs) how do we best not just for ourselves but for everyone here destigmatize sex and sexual pleasure in our in our lives i think when it comes to destigmatizing um pleasure and what kind of the cultural burden has placed upon you is is really to kind of shed that and be like, no, you know, it's about honoring your, your health, your body. It's about not, um, not allowing that to prohibit you from exploring your pleasures. So I think honoring yourself um, and keeping an open mind. Because I think oftentimes, like, people, when they're in relationships and one partner really wants to pleasure another, and they'll like, ask, like, oh, what do you want? And for some people, they're like, I generally don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, some women, some, some people do know, but oftentimes I think as a culture, we really lack the vocabulary Mm. to talk about sex and pleasure. And so the more that we allow ourselves to, to honor our own needs, um, makes us, I think, a better partner or just better people. Cause I think when we can embrace all of that, you know, people are happier, they lead more empowered lives. Um, and I think, you know, eventually we'll have world peace. Yeah. We love that. Thank Everybody you, get Dee. off. Well, I think that's, that's a solid piece of advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, T. This was thank amazing. Thank you so much. Um, so, but it's not all fun and games and vibrators. Sex and dating in Mashup American can also be um, terrible. It can also be real hard. <laughs> okay, so like what? Like... So I've been married a long time. But there was a period in my life where, you know, the dudes that showed up that I would go out with would be the kinds that, like, you go back to their place and it looks like they decorated at Pearl River Mart. (laughs) Rest in peace, Pearl River Mart. But it'd be, like, a lantern over here and, like, a little Buddha over here and, like, they're... 
you know, fucking anime mounted on the walls in a frame. And, like, I, that's not cool. I mean, that's a nightmare, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever just were like, fine, I'm just embracing this fetishization? Every once in a while, you just have to go for it. Yeah, you're Depends like, I need, on how cute the I need guy to get is. these uh -huh. pipes clean. So, um... <laughs> What dating did, horror story? I mean, I did have somebody who broke up with me because his mom hated Jews. Um, <laughs> so, and it would have broken her heart for her son to be with a Jew. Um, as you can imagine, that was awesome. Wow. Uh, so um, the truth is dating is hard, especially as a mashup. And we're super pumped to have the next three amazing guests with us tonight. Sopan Deb, Maeve Higgins, and Tobin Lowe. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Look I can't at your audience. They're so cute. You guys are the cutest. Yeah. 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 I didn't think there would be anybody here. I've never had walk-up <laughs> music. This you never had walk-up music? I've never had that. This well, today's your day. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> So let's get into it. You guys know the drill. Sopan, how do you mash up? Uh, I would say I'm a first generation Indian American and a writer and a comic. Nice combo. Maeve? Um, so I'm an immigrant. I moved here four years ago and I grew up in Ireland and Zimbabwe. She has and a milk. I should say I'm a comic and a writer too. But I don't know, like, compared to you. I, I don't want to be, like, better, much better than him. You know, I don't know. I, I suspect I'm not that, saying for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't have glasses, so you have that on me. Right, yes. Yeah, more glasses. intelligent. For those of you listening on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Tobin? Uh, I am a gay, Chinese-American, second generation, not a comic, but a radio host, sadly. <laughs> um, and we are in your, oh, your native homeland of WNYC right now. Yes, I work just upstairs. Um, so one thing that we think about a lot with dating is what's your dating deal breaker? Like what is the thing that somebody can do that you're like, oops, sorry, I guess I'm never going to speak to you ever again? So like mine is um, Bluetooth headphones. <laughs> um, and uh, my husband pro is Pro or anti? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually my thing. Yeah, so, uh, my husband's a management consultant. He's here. And um, so there's a lot of them who wear uh, the Bluetooth head thing in their ear. And that, from the beginning, I've said, if you ever do that, um, we'll probably never have sex again. <laughs> um, so how, how did that work out? Really well for me. Great. <laughs> um, for me, it's food. And, and they're not allowed to eat food. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's true. No, no, they, uh, that's correct. If you consume food in front of me, that's it. I'm gone. No, you have to be an adventurous eater. It's yes. very important to me because, you know, I love trying. For example, you know, I'm, I'm Indian. I love having Indian food. And, like, if that's something that you can't get behind, you know, there's just no future. There's no hope. You know, we're doomed, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so for me, food is very important. Yeah, I think for me, I'm just thinking that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Damn it, so much. The like, writer in the comics strikes again. 
I'm just like, and that. Um, no, I'm just thinking that's like very true. And also, I used to have like very low standards where I'd be like, all right, he cannot have murdered anybody. Like, I'll, I'll give him a shot. And now I'm like, I, I'm more liberal now in my views. And I'm like, he could have murdered someone a while back. And, you know, we all have things in our past. It's about context. Yeah, it's context, right? Yeah, and yeah. like, so, um, so, yeah. I mean, it's important to me that somebody is, is funny, or if they're not, that they understand that I'm funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And they don't say things like, oh, women are funny too. No. no, I mean, of course not. I, was, no. but like, I did meet a guy in the park the other day and we had the same type of dog and I was like, this is it. <laughs> then he said, like, he said to me, oh, he got the dog when he was able to bring a dog to work. And I said, oh, did you work in like a sheep farm or <laughs> puppy mill? And like, okay, stupid joke, like a joke. And he was like, no, a tech place. Oh, and no, no. I was like, bye. <laughs> no. Not, I didn't mind that he worked in a tech place, but it was that he didn't understand a joke. <laughs> well, so I think my, uh, my deal breaker is I, I can't be somebody's second Asian. I have to be the oh first. Oh my God, that's so I real. <laughs> Wait, I'm, so... I'm sorry, wait. Wait, what? No, 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 no. Can we, has, has, has anyone seen the episode in the second season of Master of None where he's on a first date, and he at one point is talking to another Indian woman, and they talk about trying to suss out if you're someone's first Asian, or they're like way too many Asian? Yes. I feel mm -hmm. like I am constantly doing that dance with dates. Like, so... Do you date a lot of people that look like me? <laughs> when I saw that scene, I literally screamed at my laptop. This is the realest dialogue I have ever seen on a TV show. It was so amazing. Well, I think you've talked about it a little bit, like finding your racist sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> so describe. What does that mean? It's it's exactly that where like you're not in the position of educator. Like, you're not there first, and so you have to explain everything to them. Mm -hmm. But you're also not fulfilling an anime fantasy for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, like, you're not walking into... Oh, man. I had an ex-boyfriend. So who have you dated? I'm just, just, <laughs> I was just about to go there. Anime fantasy. Let's go. Let's start there, please. No, I had an ex-boyfriend who, like, after we broke up, I did some Facebook stalking. It was, like, the next person after me. I was like... Uh -uh you look kind of exactly like me. <laughs> and it was a little weird. See, this is where we're different, Tobin, is that I can set the scene, but I can't be the second act. Mm. Yeah, I don't mind brownsplaining. I'm good with it. Tobin's like, I just wanted a date. Brownsplaining is fine. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. I, I think it's when you feel like they are asking you to explain the like entirety of your people to them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like a subtle <laughs> difference between like, I just want to know more about you and your experience versus like, Tell me about Chinese people. Or, like, <laughs> tell me about the whole of the experience. Tobin, can you explain a little bit more? I mean, sorry. Can, can you, you explain your people you, to us? Can you tell us about Chinese can you gaze, gaze? Can you gaze explain? <laughs> but just about only... this, on dating apps, sort of how it kind of manifests this kind of, you know, uh, racist yeah. sweet spot. <laughs> I will say, anecdotally, it is wild on Grindr. Yeah. Like, I think it's something about because it, it labels itself a sexually free space, there's sort of this like anything goes, just say what you're interested kind of thing going on. But then a lot of people get confused and they start tying in the race shit with how they're talking about their sexual preferences. And so like 
you have a lot of people who get really racist stuff sent to them on Grindr and on like gay dating app from the jump. It's like, I want your Chinese ass, you're like your Asian ass, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and that is like the hello, how are you? <laughs> so, what what has your experience been like, or have you ever dated somebody who has your exact same mashup? Yes, it was strange, um, <laughs> but less about the other person, but more about myself. Because uh, not to get too deep here, but oh, this uh, is why we're yeah, here. Yeah, so when I I grew up, my parents were arranged to get married in India, and they had a terrible arranged marriage, and they got divorced after thirty years. But it was it was a very um, it was a very it was a very weird upbringing because all I associated with being brown were my parents who were always fighting and always just so when I was when I would if when I would date another Indian American I or you know Indian or whatever I would always be very uncomfortable with it because mm. I was like well all I associate with being Indian is um, being sad you know mm. which is um, it's a weird thing to bring to a relation that, right. as I've gotten older I have um, outgrown that to a certain degree. But when I've been involved in those types of relationships, it's been a certain level of discomfort that was palpable. Right. Mm. Is that the first time you went to a therapist to unpack some of that? Yes, stuff? actually, in fact, that's true. And um, I had a weird therapy experience because Jerome uh, fell asleep while <laughs> I was talking to him. <laughs> this is a true story. I was uh, burying my soul about this, uh, this, my first Indian love of my life, and things weren't going well, and I'm burying my soul, and I look up, and Jerome has just conked out. You know, you're sitting there, and you're like, and this guy's asleep in front of you, like, well, what do you do? And then he jerks up. He does one of I was thinking about your situation. I'm like, no, you were asleep. You definitely were not thinking about my situation. No, as Jungian, he was actually dreaming yeah. about the right. situation. But I, the best part about it is that he then told me to continue on in a relationship that I was unhappy with. I was like, now I know you weren't listening to me. Like, now I know. So to wrap up this great conversation, um, Tobin, do you have any advice or tips for mashups dating now? I would say just game the algorithm. Mm. Like towards the end of my OkCupid datings, like time, I had figured out how the algorithm would reward me. The algorithm only rewards change. So if you like mm. update your profile constantly. Or get plastic surgery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it pays attention to how much you update and it'll reward you in the homepage. But I figured out if you change a word, a single word, it thinks you really? rewrote your profile. So every day I would change a single word on my profile. <laughs> and then also I figured out that like 7 p.m. is a sweet spot, so I would change mm. the word at 7 p.m. It's the lonely time. Yeah, <laughs> it would probably, yeah, the lonely hour. Yeah, it really is. The evening news is on. Yeah. I love Alone this. I again. love this strategic approach. Yes. yes. I hope Set I'm it. never dating again, husband. But if I were to, this is you what I would do. You can't even remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm anonymizing him in this in this crowd. Um, thank you very much, Maeve. Now I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> Any other tips that you guys would offer? I do think that there are certain things that you don't realize are deal breakers mm. that early on that you just choose to ignore and punt the discussion down the road. Little things like what kind of wedding you want to have. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you know you necessarily um, need to nail that down in the first two months. I'm saying that if you know that you don't want to have a Jewish wedding 
and the person that you have just met and within a month is like talking out really like, you know, man, one day I want to have a Jewish wedding and that's the only thing I want to do. It's probably not a good, good idea for you guys to stay together long term. Mm. And those are yeah. things that you realize early on that are mini red flags that you shove to the, that your typical human reaction is to shove to the back of your head. But you shouldn't. Those are actual things that become issues later. And some of you look up and you've been with someone for a couple years and there's no hope for you guys. As you see, I'm the positive guy here. Um, (laughs) For your relationship. Anyway. uh, But yeah, no, love is great. (laughs) (laughs) So we might also say in that case, depending on the relationship, you could also try to address those issues. Right. You know, that, that's... <laughs> yes, that's, that's what I meant to say. Yes, correct. That's, I, know, I didn't not... mean that an escape hatch is the only option. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. This was fantastic. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Woo! Oh, you get, you get walkout music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that was great advice. That was good advice. I yeah. like that advice. Yeah. What dating advice did you get from your parents? Uh, they told me to marry a Chinese man. How'd that work out? Uh, <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> All right. So we really listened to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what yeah. about you? Don't get pregnant and don't get any STDs. Uh, See, that's good. That's real advice. Um, <laughs> so Rob, what dating advice did you get from your immigrant parents? Well. My parents are Colombian. Colombians love food. So they're like, marry a girl who cooks. Oh. But the funny thing is... They weren't like, learn how to cook? They No, they weren't. They weren't. But here's the funny thing is, uh, an ex of mine who's African-American actually taught me how to cook. So the majority of the girlfriends that I've had since, she's probably mad at me for this, <laughs> I've cooked for. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another first. Don't be someone's first Cooking person? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> then you know. take that skill they give you and yeah, apply to well, That's right. what all dating is. Really just yeah. learning skills that you apply to the next person. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So we have reached the final interview of the night, and it is going to be totally worth it. Our next guest is Trayvon Free. He's the Emmy Award-winning writer and comedian whose work you can currently see on Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. You also know him from The Daily Show and many, many other things that are making you laugh right now. So welcome, Trayvon. Woo! Woo! So Trayvon, how do you mash up? Oh man, uh, I am a black. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, let's go on. A black. Uh, a capital B. I am, I am a black. Yeah. As the president would call me. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, I would say black, bisexual, bicoastal, former basketball playing, two-time Emmy-winning comedy writer. That's a lot to mash. That is, but it works well. I think it works well. So you have two Emmys. You're here tonight. You like rushed down. I did from Full Frontal, and we so appreciate that. I still have work to do when I leave here. But so you're you're at the height of your game right now. Where did you start? Where are you from? Uh, Compton. Grew up in Compton. Mm -hmm. Um, I played basketball pretty much my whole childhood through college. Uh, I tore my meniscus in practice my sophomore year and had surgery, and that was pretty much the end of my basketball career, and I had to find some new thing that 
I can make a career out of. <laughs> and it comedy turns out, really straightforward. Yeah, forward. comedy <laughs> seemed like the natural progression <laughs> from sports. And uh, no, I had always been a writer. I've written my whole life. I didn't focus on comedy until college, because I had a year off. Uh, to rehab, and so I started taking uh, screenwriting classes, and I was a criminal justice major. I have a degree in criminal justice. Don't use it. Um, <laughs> He's actually writing for Law and Order. Uh, <laughs> on the side. Yeah, on the side. Um, I just tell them where to put that dun-dun sound. Yeah. Never, um, okay. Well, what's um, the common thread, though, between playing high-level basketball and, you know, like, high-level comedy, whether it's performing or writing? Mm, the common thread is probably... Uh, Work under pressure. Mm. I would, I would, I think this is like something you have to do playing sports. Uh, you're definitely always under a clock. A lot of it is putting it on yourself to be good. Like athletes, if the harder you train, the better you are. And like a lot of times, that comes from you deciding how hard you're going to train, how much you're going to work without people having to tell you to do it. And it kind of works the same way with writing. Like you can get up every day and you can write or you can not write. Right. And when you're not writing, somebody else is. And there might come a day where a job comes open that you might want and somebody better than you who was writing those days you decided to just lay in bed and watch Stranger Things um, <laughs> might, not, uh, might not work out, which is what I've been doing for the last two days. <laughs> but I already have a job, so it's okay. I can do that. How does being black and bi inform your work? Like inform how the show sounds at the end? For me, it's an understanding, uh, writing for a woman and knowing what it what women go through secondhand, because I just don't, I will never know what that's like. I also have the experience of knowing what it's like to be the kind of person that people either don't like for reasons like the color of my skin, which I can't control, or sexuality. Like I know what those things feel like, so I have the the idea of what being a part of a marginalized group feels like. So yeah. on that level, when I'm thinking of well, what would Sam say here, or how might she feel about this, or what that thing is, if I haven't talk to her specifically about it, I can kind of guess for the most part. That's a big part of like writing in someone's voice, is just uh, being familiar enough with them to know what they might think about something and be right more times than not. Mm -hmm. Having empathy and being able to channel her rage into things when it's like, oh yeah, she should be really mad about this. Like, she's gonna say fuck right here. I think that's a lot of what mashups, I mean, even studies about bicultural or bilingual people, right, is the ability to under be great problem solvers because we can um, understand sure. multiple sides of a problem, right. right? And so to be able to empathize is like what we're all trying to do, here, sure. right? Yeah. So like as a black man, a basketball player, these are all contexts in which being out as a bisexual man is unexpected. When did you come out as bi? Publicly, when I was like 24, 25, somewhere around there. Like, so after your playing days? Yeah, like, up in, like before that, friends knew, some of my teammates knew, but I was like, I'm just tired of telling people. <laughs> like, I'm just going to let everybody you know. moment. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, everybody, I'm going to get this over with. And I'm, the, the, the thing is, though, the hard part is it's never over for you. Like, if someone's gay, you come out as gay or lesbian, and people know that about you forever because they only see you dating the same sex. Right. Whereas, like, I have to do it all the time. <laughs> like, I was just, like, my most recent relationship uh, two months ago was with a woman. So, like, the whole two years we dated, like, people assume you're straight. And so sometimes people say things to you that they might not say to a person they 
what they don't think is straight, mm. and they think like, oh, this is a safe space to say this really bigoted thing. And you're like, <laughs> actually, you should know that I'm not the right person you should be saying that to. And then it gets really awkward. Yeah. Um, How do you approach that? Like, what do you, do you get mad? What do you say? No, I, I mean, I can't afford to get mad because, like, I'm a six foot seven black man. Like, if someone calls the cops, it was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. Um, it's not funny, but everybody just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you have to find the humor in it because that's all we have left. Um, I'd like to have conversations because I feel like people need, like, you have to educate people. One of my friends texted me and was like, hey, my friend wanted to know if it was okay if her kid could go as the zombie version of Michael Jackson from Thriller. And I was like, yeah, as long as it's only the green face and not like, black not face. black face, then green face. Like, we don't have to layer it. Like, it's just, yeah, if you just do the zombie face, it's totally fine. Like, <laughs> like, like even the zombie Michael Jackson looks mostly green. <laughs> but, 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 the, but the fact that she, she said she's like felt bad for asking, I was like, no, I'm glad you asked. Because if you had done the other thing and got it wrong, now your kid's all over the internet because you did a black face zombie Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Just and don't like, do blackface. Yeah, yeah like how that. hard is it? Yeah, Christ avoid it. Do, Although, the, do the green face. That's like our like, friend Andrew T, right? Who does yes. this show, Yo, Is This Racist? Yeah, but yeah, usually when people ask, is this racist? <laughs> probably is. <laughs> if you don't, if you have to ask, just err on the side of, yeah, it's probably racist. Yeah, that seems fair. Just don't do it. <laughs> Any dating advice? You're, you're back on the market after a long relationship? The world's going to uh, change I'm in escrow right now. <laughs> I like to think of it as, you know, I'm just going to you know, see what happens. I stopped using dating apps because people kept recognizing me and then uh, they would either ask me about work or they would say like, hey, why are you on here? You should be able to like date pretty easily, right? And it was like, well, if people keep asking me that. Maybe I am doing this wrong. Like, maybe I'm not paying enough attention in the real world. If, but I just, yeah, I just stopped. So we talk uh, a lot about how to bring our whole selves into everything that we do. Sure. And do you have any tips on how to do this for mashups whose identities seem to be unconnected? Mm. I try to work from just like one central core of a place. Like I know I come from a different background than almost everyone I work with. And I there's so many different things about me that... I bring so many different perspectives to the table. But for me, the thing I try to bring to everything is just authenticity. Like, I just try to bring the most real version of me to everything I do, no matter what, whoever I'm working for, whoever hired me might think about it. Because I would rather something fail with the real me than mm-hmm. something like fail knowing I didn't do that and knowing that I could have given my actual self or been more of myself in that project, and it didn't work out. That's really good advice. That's the best advice. Be your authentic self and fail as you. You'll get so much further, I promise you. Like, you will get, especially in this business, anybody in here who want, like, just fuck everybody else. Just be. (laughs) Just be. (laughs) We love that. Well, Trayvon, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. This was a such a treat. That's a wrap. Good night. Yeah. Come on,
get the rhyme it is wicked. Those that don't know how to be pros get evicted. Thank you to the Green Space and thank you to our producing partners, American Public Media, especially Nate Toby and KPCC. Thank you to the incredible artist Christine of Yad's Chill, who created the art for the live show and who you can find on Instagram at Yad's Chill. Also, thank you to Lizzie Jacobs, our insanely talented producer who makes this all happen with editing help on this show from Whitney Henry Lester. Thank you, T, Tobin, Maeve, Sopon, Trayvon, and of course, DJ Rob Swift. Subscribe on the NPR One app and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes, and tell seven friends about it because seven is a very auspicious number in Korean culture. We were going to ask you to ask 18 friends because that's auspicious in Jewish culture, but that seemed like too much. But seven you can do. Subscribe. Yes, subscribe and tell seven friends.